0: Yeah, dude, you we be betting on that stuff, man? Get it going? Yeah. Dude. If I win, I get to pee on Costa's leg.
1: All right, this is Dojo Talks. We are talking Jesse today. Jesse recently won the uh, U.S. Senior Open, qualifying himself for the 2024 U.S. Senior Championship. It's very exciting. Actually, we're super. We're all super pumped about that. Um, so today we're going to talk what Jesse needs to do to get ready for that tournament and maybe future U.S. Senior tournaments. Yeah, yeah. So first, I want to say a couple things. Um, definitely a little lucky to
0: have won it. I won it on tiebreak, so it wasn't like some clean thing. And now I'm currently at the Irwin Invitational. So this would have been my second chance to qualify. It held the weekend right after. Um, so it was not a convincing thing. <laughs> like I kind of want to like, it would be nice to have a convincing victory this weekend to, uh, you know, just, I don't know, feel like it was less, better karma. The now, one of the things I've been talking about for years is I've wanted to do this tournament because it really is like a cool event in St. Louis. I got to play the U.S. championship a couple of times. Uh, in St. Louis and then other US championships. It's just a cool event to like, look forward to train for. And ever since I became a GM way back 2007, it's been hard to find like a goal. And so having a goal that's tangible is really important. I think probably to have anybody Posty here, dude, this guy's got to get on it to get his GM title. He's been
1: flouncing around, oh my God. you know, Wait, let me just say, we're recording this from Michigan. Just so everyone yeah. was from the U.S. Open. That's right. Uh, this is Jesse and I' first time meeting since Dojo started. Yeah. We played a couple of times, but we yeah. didn't like like talk too much. But, right, right. Yeah. So this is this is cool. Five minutes with Jesse. I actually I have like a training plan. You know, I'm I'm motivated too. Like this next year, I gotta like work on my chest. I gotta get into shape. I mean, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So the idea of this <laughs> talks is pretty
0: simple. It's like what. Do, does Jesse need to do to play well at the tournament next year? So I have like a year, roughly a year for it happens, what do I need to do? And my intention is to use the dojo training program. And then we, then it's kind of like an interesting question, not just about me, but about the training program and to what extent it is sufficient for what I'm trying to do and then. If not, then do we need to rethink aspects of the training program? Yeah. Yeah. So, for, for example, we have a lot of feedback from the lower cohorts about people making progress, mm-hmm. right? But so far, we just don't have that big of a pool of players, let's say, 2,200 feet A plus. So we don't have a lot of feedback of people making a lot of progress or anything just because we don't have that many people yet. And that's one of the... Uh, weak points of the dojo, right? And so like me, Kosi and David, and a couple other people are like the guinea pigs for the program as we've got it set up for the higher levels. So that's something too, is just something we can think about as we're thinking about, you know, me doing this training for the next year. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll just say two quick things and then I'll hand it over to you guys. Um, one of the things that's interesting about Senior Chess is it recognizes that people, do get worse. And I feel like 20 years ago, it was not understood that people are going to be getting worse. Um, there's kind of like a hopefulness and maybe there's a little that people had back then also maybe a little shame about talking about, oh, I'm getting dumber or something like that. Right. Um, and so it's an interesting whole tournament. It's happened, um, the last let's say 10 years where senior chess has turned into a thing Um, and the fact that it's 50 plus is kind of interesting too because you could say maybe 65 plus is where it should be but really 50 plus is really where people start experiencing severe cognitive decline and one of the things that I noticed last uh, weekend at Plant room is you saw a range of people, a range of physical body shapes, and you saw some people with neurological twitches and stuff, you know, people dealing with various conditions as we get older. And so it's kind of like this turn of it is about uh, uh, who can stay fit in their mind the longest uh, and, you know, persevere. And some people, obviously. Age better than others. We can talk about caution. We can talk about anand, right? There are people who have managed to keep their game up. It's very inspiring. But they're honestly a little bit the exception to the rule. we all think that we can be anand and but most of us, in fact, are going to be. Anyways, okay, I said I was said only two things I promised. Okay, so two things that I've noticed. Uh when you're getting older, there's a variety of things that go into what I call chess IQ or chess intelligence. And two of them are memory and I would call system your system two bucket. Okay, So memory is obvious. It's hard for people who are older to remember things. And not only like, let's say, openings stuff, but let's say you learn a new concept or you learn a new endgame algorithm. I was just doing Bishop and Rook versus Rook and I went deep into that. Will I remember it? let's say in four years, will, like the, uh, will the template that is imprinted on my mind, will that stick with me? Or because my memory is now weaker, will it just fade? So that's one thing that's definitely clear that people who are older are suffering from. And then also, uh, the system two bucket is really interesting. So just to refresh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Kahneman, thinking fast and slow, developed a bunch of psychological tests to see when people stop thinking on a level two scenario. Now, in chess, what that means is is system two just means you're thinking deeply. Uh, When you stop thinking deeply, in chess, you're just going to say, ah, this looks right. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. We all do it. And what Kahneman showed experimentally is that everybody has a limit. Everybody reaches a point where they're just screwing. Just going to toss out this random solution. Looks good-itis. Looks good-itis, yeah. But the thing is, so you can be aware of it, but it's not going to change the fact that you're still going to do it. Being aware helps because maybe you can, like, take a moment and walk around the hall and then try to get a little bit of System 2 back, you know. But it's ultimately not going to be overcome. Anyways, long story short, what I noticed in the senior events is that you get a lot of that uh, where people just don't have enough gas left for that, and then they play quick moves, and then boom, they're gonna lose the
1: game. All right, I'm gonna turn it over to you guys the so last discuss. Yeah, that was um, that was a good point. I think like the the energy thing is a big deal. Like having a lot of energy for these tournaments, especially mm-hmm. like the long games. Um, to me, it feels like yeah, being in good physical shape is almost as important as like being in good in good chess shape. Um, I was just watching the U.S. senior championship recently in St. Louis, which was just like totally dominated by by Malik, GM Kachian, Mm -hmm. um, who just like led the whole way through, just crushed it, beat everyone, like leading by like two points. And um, yeah, I I, like thinking about his games, like I didn't think he did anything super, super spectacular, but he definitely exploited other people's mistakes, their blunders, you know, they would hang an exchange or something, he would just take it and then convert the game. Uh, And he didn't blunder too much um in terms of his openings i didn't feel like he really showed anything super special he was kind of playing his usual systems and just using his experience um but uh yeah definitely felt like he was one of the players just kind of like in the best shape and it seemed like he had a ton of energy throughout the whole thing so yeah energy i feel like is super important that's just like one one aspect so being in great shape
2: yeah I think that's I think that's a very good way to sort of figure out what makes sense. Also, is just look at the last couple of years and you know who won and what did they do and can you figure out any patterns and uh, you know who finished at the top and who finished at the bottom of the tournaments. Um, and the energy one makes a lot of sense, so <laughs> that sounds very reasonable. Um, I think another factor there that we could bring up would be uh, this post from Fishbine about how much the different players had played, um, in tournaments, uh, other than the, the, you know, other than the senior championship when they show up for the tournament and, um, yeah, I mean, you guys can also have your own thoughts about it, uh, or correct me if I'm getting it wrong. But I think one of the things he pointed out was that Melick had played by far the most OTB games of anybody in the past year not necessarily with any particular success but he just played a lot of games um over the year and then i came into the tournament and i think that um shabalov who finished second may have had the second most games played in the last year and then there are some people who almost don't play you know one tournament two tournaments a year at this point um
1: yeah and um shabalov won last year as well
2: and shabalov had won last year um,
1: For that I think too, yeah uh maybe, maybe I know Kaidano' won at some point too the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, yeah, that Facebook post was really interesting, um it seems like being good uh playing shape, like playing a lot that 's what like matters, like especially the months leading up to the event mm-hmm. but what where were you going with that, David?
2: No, I just wanted to like bring it in as as an idea um and it sounds like maybe I stated it correctly. So then the question would be, you know, does that seem to us like a, like a good idea um, for Jesse to try and play a bunch or or in general for anybody? Does that seem like a big component? Like with the energy, my first thought would be, yes, but maybe careful about how much energy you expend in the last month before the tournament in case you could show up to the tournament tired.
0: You know, one funny thing about energy is like when I imagine, for example, playing the kinds of tournaments I would play in to get the GM norm where you'd play nine rounds against tough opposition, that just makes me weak thinking. About it. So much energy involved, dude. Mm-hmm. And then, like, especially, you're so knocked out from that event that then when you have to return to your normal life, too, you're just got nothing left. You need some time to recoup and then. Oh, man, that's hard. That's the other hard thing about it, you know. Um, so sure. it's interesting already, you know, that for years I've known that about the energy level and I've kind of picked tournaments that are, you know, five, six rounds it's better for me.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like when you see Kostya play two nine-rounders back-to-back, right? Like he oh, goes yeah. to Las Vegas, right, and he plays Ooh. like the, the Invitational and then the National Open back-to-back. Yeah. That's just it seems brutal you no
1: know, for me i often need to like play myself into shape so it's right like i'm not yeah i'm not ready until the uh the second second tournament um maybe you could find some tournaments that are one game a day they kind of because the u.s senior is going to be like one round a day or mm-hmm. one or yeah one p.m usually um honestly i mean i i think it, the problem is i'm sure many
0: people listen to this podcast is like if i i took two weeks off uh so i you know i got kids and i had to negotiate with the ex and all this stuff dude so like i had to negotiate for two weekends in a row so when i get back i have epic kid situation for the next two weeks when i get back so like my life is toasted so getting two weekends off oh dude i have to pay (laughs) to pay big time for that time off dude that was not an easy negotiation so yeah just getting the time to play is going to be a challenge but I do want to say recently I've been very good and it's been very fun honestly rewarding that every morning I've been getting up and I have been studying and I think whatever we say today in terms of what I should do that is the cornerstone in terms of a habit in just getting up and doing work and definitely, I should play some tournaments, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, the don't Finding those and which ones they should be, that's a whole interesting thing, too. Um, but even now,
1: I'm going to have some games from last week to look at, and then I'll have some games from this one
0: to study as well.
1: Um, but what yeah. I was thinking is, like, you know, maybe you could still play these open events that are, like, two rounds a day on the weekend, um, but just play, like, the morning game. You know, just play, like, the uh, morning game, just to have uh, the fighting experience yeah, yeah. i don't know i feel like there's nothing as good for your form as just like playing like you don't want to overdo it you don't want to just like playing non-stop but mm-hmm. playing like one game a week or two games a week i think is a great way to just kind of keep yourself like in because yeah it's just there's just nothing quite like it like any kind of at home studying or online playing i mean nothing is quite the same as just like having the clock you know your hand is like shaking like one move you know it could be your last like
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, David. One thing is hilarious here. Is, you know. So we're talking mostly about me today, but in terms of Coach making GM, which is actually far more interesting. Court, <laughs> the I'm dude sorry. is the dude is failing because he's not going over his games. Okay, well, another
2: say, another episode, Jesse. And that we can save that for another episode.
0: Yeah. Well, we can. But I just want to say, it's interesting. Is that I want to? I think what's what's interesting about that? It's like, dude isn't following the program, and and, and I need to follow too. And right. so it's kind of like, a, we get this all the time in our discord people asking us, well, shouldn't I be doing x? And I'm always my answer is always boss, just trust the program. And so that needs to be applied to myself, obviously, as well. Um, sure. And then there's interesting questions like which part of the program? Should I be? Doing? And there's a, a lot of interesting stuff, we'll probably get into.
2: That. But, yeah. Okay, so we can start off with two things that I think we all agree would be really good for Jesse's performance next year. One is for him to get in a good amount of practice, right? Like a high number of practice games, especially if possible, some one game a day kind of situations. Um, and the second is to come with good energy. Um, you know, and so that may largely be on, on lifestyle and stuff like that, right? Just staying, just staying physically fit and healthy and, and all that, which Jesse's generally good at, doing um
1: how to get it ripped.
2: although although my experience with jesse was mostly pre-kids it's a lot easier to keep up a physical regimen without kids i don't know jesse how do you feel like you you do now are you still in are you still in shape
0: uh yes i feel pretty good and and one of the things that's interesting that shifted in my life maybe this will be helpful to some people listening is when When you're training by yourself, whether it's chess or physical, this is very much the same. You have to decide what you're going to do. So for example, before kids, I was doing my my probably peak fitness was 2013, where I rode my bike for 10,000 miles. I was, oh, dude, I was lean and mean. It was serious. and, but but every day I had to decide what to do. And the 10,000 mile thing, which I set a goal for myself, was kind of like kept me on track to get that. But basically there wasn't like a regimen that I'd follow. And now where I've been doing CrossFit, it's like I exported that, handed that authority over to somebody else, and I just show up. I just show up uh, basically minimum of five days a week, and it's pre-decided what I'm going to do. But that's so i don't even think about it mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways in which i want the dojo to be like that for people as well they just show up and yeah. do the wrecks and boom do not use your energy thinking about how i'm what am i going to do like you're by my by yourself as a, like an exa, as a metaphor for the physical world be like well how long am i How uh, where am i where am i going to ride my bike to uh, am i gonna do some push-ups at the end maybe yes maybe no and no no dog it's got to be just written in stone you just go do the work you trust the program
1: 100 mm-hmm. yeah and, it's
0: way easier and way, way easier yeah and that's what i want my training to be for uh us senior too i don't want to think about it you know we can think about it now it's fun to talk about but basically on a day-to-day level i want it to be dialed in i don't want it to be some question mark like well is
1: jesse going to do this or that no jesse's got it all done it's already set yeah. what dude yeah. is gonna do i think it would make sense to kind of plan it out in, in phases like maybe for a couple months you're like working on your calculation or working on your end games or mm. working on your openings and then you can think about like you know i would do the openings closer to the tournament i would do the calculation like earlier so it has more mm. time to kind of sink in and then um i mean i don't know i don't know if end games are like a huge Concerned, but end games are fun and useful. And uh, definitely, I feel like the, like the end game sparring, like practicing all those end game positions. Mm-hmm. Imagine you could do two knights versus pawn just like on demand. And then, like, we release a YouTube video of you doing yeah. that, just like <laughs> crushing. Getting close. We're getting close. Me and Dave will work on that. And, yeah. and we were doing the bishop and
0: rook versus rook. Um, I'll say just a quick story about that um, that pertains. So, at the last weekend, I witnessed a game that was, uh, if it had gone a different way, I might not have won on tie breaks, where we had a GM versus an FM, and the GM had Bishop and Rook, FM had the Rook, and the FM kind of knew what to do. You could tell he had some confidence, and he had 30-second increment. And I told myself the following. I said, dude, is not going to be able to make it until getting to the lost position. And then I also said the GM isn't going to know how to finish it when he gets there. Both of those were true. Both of those were true. And, it, you know, this game was lasting five hours. People are exhausted. And uh, then dude lost on time on move 46. Oh, I, I, I four, excuse me, not move 46, on the 46 of the 50-move rule. So right. you just right. had to make four more Yeah, yeah.
1: And even, I mean, super gems will, will mess it up, like, from, from both sides. Like yeah. From the defense and the yeah. winning side. Yeah, really tough, a lot of these end games. So a lot of that I want to
0: dial in, and I really believe this part of the Dojo training program at all the levels that, that doing those end game algorithms isn't just for that magical moment when you have it, but there's beautiful patterns going on that talk to talk about just geometry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Plus also not to something that we shouldn't understate is just the practice of working hard 30 seconds at a time, it's a very special and slightly weird thing. You know, when I, when we started out doing the end game sensei, um, you know, anytime my clock's under a minute, I was just freaked out, period, no matter what, right. you know? And I just like, I, I couldn't play against Kostia. My brain would just turn off, you know, the moment we started with five minutes plus 30 often, or two minutes plus 30. And when my clock would go under a minute, it's like, I'm just done deer in headlights but by dint of doing it week after week, at some point, I feel very comfortable in those 30 seconds. And obviously you're not inventing some 10 move variation. You're not playing perfect chess, right? Like I haven't perfected my end game at any point in any way, right? But I've, I've honed a practical element of it, right? Where I can figure out what I can in 25 seconds and then just make my move. You know, and then do it again, and do it again, and it might be just like a B class move every single move. But I'm, but I'm, I'm playing, you know, and it's it's just so much better than it was before. And I think that, you know, working on any random endgame algorithm, even if it's teaching you how the rook and bishop work together, you get some knight endgame. You'll still be glad that you put in all those reps playing, you know, thirty seconds per move, thirty seconds per move, zoned in mm-hmm. against an opponent who's zoned in.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a skill i think that needs to get worked on and a lot of people have improved in the last couple of years just from playing in all these tournaments now the 30 second increment is very very common and a lot of tournaments have switched to this like 90 plus 30 time control Mm -hmm. which i think was um well this last u.s senior actually they used uh two time controls there was extra Mm -hmm. time after move 40. um but for many events yeah it's just 90 plus 30 then you end up playing the end game out on the 30 second increment a lot of the time and uh yeah, it's very tough because uh, sometimes you have just like okay, playable end game, you can just rely on intuition. Sometimes it's very sharp, you have to like calculate a lot or evaluate some king and pawn end games like 3 minutes on your clock and then that's that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's not easy, but um definitely worth worth practicing.
0: One thing before we leave this example I just want to stress is I, mean, I one of the problems about getting old is when I learn something like this Bishop versus Brooke, and I really try to dial it in as a, if you learn something like that as a kid, like the stuff that I learned as a kid, oh man, I got that dialed in. <laughs> I got that stuff dialed in boss. I can do that. No problem. The stuff I'm learning now, to what extent do I really understand it? Remember it like weeks after? Yeah. There was an interesting moment um, where I played in the, in the last week and an opening variation came up and I had just studied it like a month before. Mm-hmm. I had mapped it all out. Dude, I couldn't remember. <laughs> it was gone. So just, yeah. you know, like a wisp in the breeze, boss. It was mm-hmm. totally gone. <laughs> yeah. That may almost so
2: suggest that it, uh, that the opening study is worth less or even more generally that any study that re- relies on memorizing something specific is not as useful as something that's just kind of skill building at, at it, this point.
0: Well, and, and one thing also that's really interesting about the last four tournaments. Okay. So imagine I played four tournaments is that despite having really studied openings, nothing at all. I won every single opening battle. Okay, so let me describe what I mean by winning the opening battle. It doesn't mean you won the game. It just means you come out of the opening and you knew maybe one move more. You understood it better. You come out ahead on the clock. You're better coming out of the opening. Those are all ways in which you have won the opening battle. Yeah. And I really surprised myself to say, like, oh, I won all those opening battles. So, for example, even the one I just described where I – didn't remember anything about about what my line. I had an old line. I played that and I did did great. Did great. It was fine. So it's this very funny thing where I've invested zero time in my openings. On our dojo pie chart, it's like literally one percent, and wow. the opening's probably maybe the strongest part. And I was just playing principled moves, boss. I wasn't, you know, I was doing fine.
2: Jesse, can we? Is it easy for us to go check you out on the scoreboard and see your pie chart and see like oh, yeah. which 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 day you skip? Yeah no, I skip opening that <laughs>
1: <Okay. laughs> be the case over there man. yeah sorry.
0: and I've generally been trying to do a little bit of opening work like right before each tournament kind of like cramming for a test you know that way that it would be more present in my
2: All right so I see your thing wow just nothing on openings that's really shocking and And it's
0: funny it's funny too because i get like a big feedback of the dojo is that we don't do enough openings and then like get people complaining all the time about like files not being deep enough and stuff and i'm just like wow (laughs) (laughs) who you're you're talking to here man (laughs) anyways uh, and, and I wasn't just playing seniors. It was only the last event I was playing seniors. Otherwise, I was playing kids and stuff.
1: Well, so. also, your opening repertoire is very kind of system-based. Like, with White, you're playing the London often and, like, D4. I like I played three. aggressive repertoire a couple yeah. times, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's new. Stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think um, playing some more combative openings for this next year could be very interesting for uh, your chess, if I may uh-huh. yeah, I feel yeah. like if you have any kind of, like, chess weaknesses. Yeah. what i've seen and david maybe can disagree or not um i feel like a lot of times you your focus is like on limiting the opponent's counterplay yeah but then that causes you to miss like the most ambitious continuation the most no principles. there might be and, some,
0: some be fair about
1: that um like i remember um okay actually just recently we were playing our our end game sensei the yeah. rook end game yeah there were a couple of moments where like i felt like okay you had a sharp choice you could have played yeah and you went like the safe option and then I was very happy about that. I was <laughs> like, you know, trying to uh, trying to defend.
2: Yeah, um, so we 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 need to like, talk. Oh, we need to talk about that for sure because that's like my number one thing for Jesse as far as his profile as well. But um, but I have pulled up his pie chart here. Just just added into the screen share so we can see what oh, he's okay. what no, he's no, been working no, on okay. or not working on. Um, so let's just talk about that for a second, and then we can then we can take it down. Mm-hmm. So looking at Jesse's, at Jesse's, uh, thing here, he's got 43% games and analysis. Okay. I can click on that to see if it's balanced between playing the games and annotating them. Yeah. Nicely balanced. He does his postmortems. So that's looking pristine and it's a pillar of our training program. So the fact that it's around 40% of his work seems good to me. Any, any thoughts, either of you on whether 40% might be about right for this.
0: Also interesting, David, is if you could, right below it is the time spent, which I think is going to be even more spent okay. on games.
1: Than Ooh, there it is.
2: We can do you the time if less. you want.
1: <laughs> oh, it got to be less. Yeah.
2: So, games analysis still really close to 40% on times and on points, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Honestly, looking at his time breakdown, it looks really good to me, Kostya, because I feel like the middle games and strategies and openings are a lot of that kind of stuff that he's likely to forget, and it won't help him that much. <laughs> Whereas- Well,
0: middle game strategies, also books that we've read, you know.
2: I know, yeah. I know, but then you forget what you read. So my point is, you know, playing the games, I think is really good. And I think keeping up a regimen of tactics is probably important. And if the end game has a considerable amount of end game sparring, I think, I think these are really like the kinds of things that are going to be particularly useful for him at the, uh, at the senior. See if we can break down his end game. It's mostly Doretsky's end game manual and a bit of Van Perlo. So he could definitely use with some more sparring, although he didn't, he didn't log the time he sparred with me, apparently. Um, no, because seem- I
0: didn't, th- those weren't official. I didn't get the points, boss. I you didn't get the didn't
2: points, get the points but this is your time breakdown. You can still update that you spent, you know, two hours practicing an end game that you never scored any points on.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Let me just say, this actually goes to some <laughs> practice about the, how do you log the points? But for what I've been doing is I only log the points after I've, when
2: you've finished. completed the thing okay yeah,
0: yeah it's just easier so for example i'm working my way again through the best moves and great calculation work mm-hmm. uh, it's, a whole, it's a book in the program and i'm just going to put in all the hours
1: when i'm done so that'll well, be a bunch of hours okay. that's good cool um, um, that's interesting i think a lot of people they like the incremental approach i right. i definitely do
2: for me that's an easier way to track what awesome. i'm doing but that's that's up to everybody you know how right. how they can keep track of it but um but also, regardless i really want to say go ahead yeah, just sorry, regardless, I mean, we could say like, it looks like you've maybe spent a lot more time reading books than sparring positions. And like, even if you're, even if you're going through Dvoretsky's Endgame manual or something like that, you know, like we have whatever five sparring positions for you, but I Uh think, you know, spar your heart's content. That's sort of like the minimum. I think compared to spending a hundred hours reading a book, you should pull out some positions from the book and spar them. If you can, you know,
0: no trust the program we have all the algos i got to do all those mm-hmm. we have the game training positions got to do all those so i think for sure with the sparring and and then if i'm going to do opening work it should be you know sparring with you or some other other people just doing those opening positions oh i think
1: yeah. opening sparring yeah, would yeah be yeah, yeah. super super I, helpful i'm
2: not distrusting the program in any way jesse i'm just saying like there's there's some discussion or leeway about what's the best way to do the study from the books right like there's different ways to do it right and when i was reading turetsky's Endgame manual i did it with alan stein and we would just like play out together tons of the positions from the Mm -hmm. book you know so we went through the book much slower in a sense but that that is a way of of grappling with the material in the book right is sort of like playing things out and a lot of times at the final position of some variations where says and white's winning or, and it's a draw and more than half the time, I would say Alan and I, at least one of us did not know for sure that the position was a draw or a win at the end of his variation. And so we would play out the final position just to check, you know, and figure out, well, how does white win this position and so forth? It's just a very active way of working with the book. Um.
0: Uh, for sure. And let me say too, that I think one of the biggest helps that I have is I have a pretty good relationship with the games analysis where, you know, I'm really spending 12 to 14 hours on one game and then doing the notes, you know, I stream putting in the notes and then I have the lesson with KGB. And then I talk about, and then I, you know, come back to stream what he said. And that's been a really interesting process it's also very rewarding and that's fun i guess you fun in a type two kind of way I type two just be kind of hard and not immediately gratifying um but one thing that i think i've learned about it is kgb if i was going to play that guy it wouldn't be like i would lose every game but that guy has got such a deep positional understanding that if i had to play him or somebody like him there's a certain kind of game that I could win and a certain kind of game where I would have zero chance. That is, a lot of these old time GMs can play certain kinds of positions, not all of them, but certain kinds of positions at a super GM level, where they know where the pieces belong. And that's not where I wanna be. <laughs> 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 Maybe there's some positions I can do that too but I don't want them to be able to play positions where they're comfortable. So I think, when I think about how it would go down in a, how it would look for a really successful run is to get in these games, positions that are rich and tactical, um, that have a lot of surprises. There's no flow, Move, move for move. And then also games that are really long and draining because these people are not in shape. I can tell you that now. Both in physically and like like the post with Fishpine intimated, not in chest shape. A lot of them are just like doing this one tournament a year because they get to see their bros, you know, and a lot of them are taking draws with their bros and it's not helping their tournament success, right? But mm-hmm. it's also because they're exhausted and they're afraid of being exhausted. Right. So if I can come in there and like play the long game, I, as in, uh, you know, boss, we're just going to sit here and we're going to
1: play this out, you know? Sure, Magnus style. style. Game six against Nepo, he's like, yeah. we're just going to play till midnight. <laughs> we're just going to go, <laughs> boss. That's
0: the kind of both attitude and thing I need to prepare myself, I think, the most. Also in this tournament, by the way, I know that uh, there's a lot of old-timers here like Fed and Sergey Kudrin. They do not have the desire anymore. They will make quick draws. And, uh, obviously you're not going to win the tournament like that, but you, somebody who wants to win the tournament has to be prepared to be like, okay, boss, here we go. (laughs) We're going to be here all night. And, um, so this tournament is actually a great training tournament for me in that regard. Um, and you know, there's going to be moments of hardship in this tournament. Like, so for example, I go to bed at nine and this round tonight starts at seven and Usually I complain with these tournaments that they're, you know, biased against the old people, but it was old people who organized this event, so I don't know what they're doing starting at 7. I know I'm not the only one to go to bed early as an older dude, you know. So it's going to be, everybody's going to be pushed to exhaustion quickly, and then your sleep's rhythm gets put off whether you win or lose, right? Your, your sleep is just going to be totally wrecked. Then you're going to have to figure it out over the next couple of days. so there's going to be a level of exhaustion already coming into this event that that maybe I could use as like a prelude to what St. Louis is St. Louis is one round a day. it's very nice and comfortable. And but early, it, yeah but it'll still be really long games right yeah.
2: Coast. Yeah. Um, Jesse's yeah. brought up so many interesting things, but do you have any comments on his pie chart before we put it away? like do you feel like he's doing a good job of following the program or do you see any?
1: Um, no, I would just echo what you guys said I think just like adding a bunch of sparring throughout the year mm-hmm. would be would be super useful, um mm-hmm. but no, like the breakdown looked looked awesome. I mean I think like well, the idea mm-hmm. of the breakdown was always not that you should be doing that percentage on a weekly basis, but just like over time over like a year's worth of effort, yeah. it should look pretty um pretty balanced and not not dominated um by the openings, yeah. Um,
2: okay so we're in agreement jesse's pie chart looks pretty pristine on um, now costa you well, had, you had, thing, yeah well i was
0: going to say one thing just to counterbalance that and was hilarious is that you know when we asked shanklin ages ago and shanklin's opinion was christ should really study the sidelines of all these variations in the opening to hammer at these old-time gms mm. and that's a that's obviously a completely different take So like I could spend ages, you know, studying maybe the specific openings of these older dudes, and trying to catch them out in the weird openings they play. Because what are these older guys doing? They're they're for the most part trying to avoid theory. Right. They're trying to uh, do. They just want a comfortable position. They don't want to try to memorize anything. They can't.
1: (laughs) Can't do it both. It's over. Except uh, Shaba. Shaba's always like cooking up tricky lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But. He might be like, he might be doing that. I feel like every tournament he's just like playing new systems and Mm -hmm. he must, uh, he must love it. But yeah, you know, it's not a bad point, Um, especially if someone has just been playing the same thing for many years and, you know, you feel like you can, you can catch them somewhere. Um, Though I feel like what often happens is like somehow they trick you and then they get their position anyway. (laughs) So you really have to be very like, very prudent, but I think that's where a lot of opening sparring comes in. If You can, I don't, I don't know, like, um, you can play through a lot of the accidents you might have over, yeah. over the board, which would be cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the calculation is, is a big one. You just, uh, if you just showed up like a beast, like Magnus, it's like great physical shape, great mm. calculation, and you're just willing to play for... Like, six hours? Yeah.
2: We know Magnus could win the senior championship of any country. That's,
1: that's, <laughs> that's not, like, a fair, like,
2: hypothetical. Like, oh, yeah, just show up, you know, in sort of, like, Magnus's shape.
0: Well, <laughs> that's, but, but, but but rather, like, we know that these older dudes will crack. Everyone yeah. will crack. The sure. System 2 bucket is just not as full with these older people. And I will say, I noticed in the last tournament, dude, there was moments, especially towards later rounds, where... I was done. It was very hard. And it's a very interesting moment, actually, when you're at the board and you know that your system two is depleted because your mind is telling you just to go with this move. Yeah. Uh, you know that you have to check yourself. But it's just like one of the great things about the Kahneman book was he proved experimentally that you're done. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And at that point, like maybe you can go take a walk and eat a banana and try to come back, boss. But at that moment, there's no amount of, like, telling yourself to sit down and think about it that's going to help.
2: You're done. Um, Yeah. I remember that. I remember that from my own experience, for sure. Like, even when I was at the youngest, most stamina, playing all the time, you know, really honed in. Like, you'd hit some point in round eight or nine of some tournament where you're seven hours into an endgame, and you're like, I just want to know if I'm winning or drawing this endgame. Like, let me just play, (laughs) like... Play the move that, you know, roll the dice uh, as opposed to calculate.
1: Yeah, you just you just feel cooked. You just physically can't anymore. Um, like when someone is explaining to you, like, the rules of, like, some complicated board game, and you're, like, yeah. trying to follow, and just, like, yeah. you, just can't. you yeah. just can't. Let's just play the game. No. <laughs> yeah. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
2: Okay, I think there's a really important decision for Jesse to take as early as possible that will have some impact on what his entire plan should be for the year and that is whether he wants to show up to the tournament playing one repertoire of of openings that's like that's his you know that's his his set his repertoire and he's just going to follow it or whether he wants to adopt an approach of you know just hit and run like he's gonna you know figure that this guy doesn't like long games and this guy doesn't like getting attacked and this guy that you know and just like be ready to switch it up uh, day by day, it really changes how he should, um, you know, prepare his openings and and plan for the whole year. I think that's like the really, really big decision.
0: Okay. Let me tell you how I think about it right now. So first of all, I think my black openings are pretty good. They're pretty dialed in, right? Just not from memorizing, but just through years of experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like French and then means Indian news. Um, and I want to dial those in more. And one cool thing is I haven't played a lot of games recently that are online, mm-hmm. so you will, they won't be able to find me. And I have kind of some new ideas and some positions, but I want to you know make that a little deeper. Um, with White, I think I have a cool option now of playing, because I did um, the aggressive opening repertoire for White I have that dialed in, and I have the London kind of dialed in. So there I have an option to go either way. And I think it's really cool if they're playing black against me to not know mm-hmm. which one I'm going to do. Um, and then I can kind of pick, see where which one I want to go with.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so anyways, that's my intuition about where
2: so it seems like your intuition is mostly to follow a set of openings that you want to play you'll have a switch hitting with white but you'll be really uh, dialed into your openings versus like you go into the game or or you go person by person and just pick different openings based on them
0: and you know in general i think like the style of the aggressive repertoire is what i'm going to want for the senior
2: okay i think so yeah I mean, if that's the case, then we can extrapolate some things about your training plan for the year, right? should be to play those openings very consistently. You don't have any use for practicing random one-offs in your tournament games that you get, right? And to do a bunch of deep sparring.
0: So, you know, having to play stuff, dude, playing the London against you for six hours, that's also not.
1: Yeah, i was gonna say yeah the aggressive repertoire is kind of looking for a quick knockout and not yeah. like the long a long game exactly
0: but you get these tactical situations soon yeah, yeah. where both players have to tank mm-hmm. and use up a lot of energy and if you just understand the positions a little bit yeah anyways i think both are very viable
2: yeah and, um, and it gives so you that option trickiness. having those two that are in in a sense so different gives you the option Depending on the player, if you want to sort of drive them into difficult stuff early on, or just draw things out, is very, very opposite ways Let's you can agree. try and get your. Let me your just opponent.
0: say something uh, that's anti-intuitive. Uh, London is a mirror image of the aggressive. Player. Yeah, it's very surprising, and it feels different because one is looking at the queen side, and one is looking at the But it is fundamentally the same, and one of the things I like about both of them is they allow white to develop according to simple principles okay? so you just you can play by principles and you don't have to be thinking too hectic about crazy stuff like i don't like opening systems that neglect development i would never play the same against the queens indian, against the nimzo indian for example no might be fine but that's not me boss
1: <laughs> i'm gonna develop my pieces bro
2: yeah
1: <laughs>
0: yeah
2: yeah okay So then let's talk a little bit about like maybe Jesse's weakness and, and how to work on that a little bit, because Mm. Kosi brought it up earlier. And I, and I have noticed it as well. I think that, um, and I think this is something that happens sort of like with age, so it's probably generally true of a lot of the opponents you'll face as well, Jesse, is that like, Mm. it's easier to just play a bunch of moves that look nice than to go for something really critical that nobody can be really certain of the outcome. Um, and I think that you'll find a higher percentage of young people who are willing to sort of go for those things. And as one gets older, you know, you rely more on like, well, if I play, you know, 50 moves that look good, eventually my advantage will, will grow a bit. Um, But I think it it probably leads to more draws and and missed opportunities. So...
0: In, in longer
2: games, Frank, right? Yeah, I mean, longer games. Yeah.
0: With, with one of the things I've really noticed with open tournaments is that because I generally write, I'm a let's call it a prophylactic player. Um, I get these games that I'm not knocking the opponent out; it's just going mm. forever. And then, yeah. of course, mistakes are made on both sides, and the game might switch in evaluation or something like that. But um, yeah, so in fact, I think one of the key problems of my rating decreasing recently is that I've had too many games that went forever, and then I was just crushed in the two rounds a day tournament, mm-hmm. yeah, which honestly might be good experience, just that energetic experience for you know, playing a nice one round a day thing like the US mm-hmm. um, But it's certainly true, and I'm aware of it. I've been going through my own games. I think the biggest thing is to go through your own games or something like that. that there are definitely moments where what I would describe it as is trying to think the critical moment in an intuitive way instead of a concrete way. Yeah. Right? Where you're like the concrete solution is like you really have to look at
2: everything and go as deep as possible and even then you're not gonna be entirely sure. Right. Yeah, it's a mix of you have I mean, to think concretely and you have to accept a little bit of uncertainty, right? Like there's yeah. going to be some detail that's not certain in advance. There's a possibility of overlooking something. You have to be accepting that.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I, I would think um, from a style point of view, it makes sense for you to play like lots of E4 in the coming year and like pull a cram Uh Or you just start playing like really like dynamic uh, aggressive chess Uh i don't know if that's the best approach to playing like the u.s senior but i feel like it could be just very useful to kind of experiment with that style of play and then you get Mm -hmm. a ton more experience in like e4 positions um and then having to play with like a lot of risk and Mm -hmm. um then i don't know i feel like yeah i'd be adding like a really interesting side here Game. It does bother me when you're playing like some twenty one hundred, yeah. And then you're you probably just crush them, even if you play like King's Gambit, you know, just yeah, gets a tactical mess yeah. where they would just mess up because they don't remember the theory, and then you would just crush them. Um, but now it's like the slow, <laughs> slow bird, right? Right. So, I don't know. I mean, it's tough, but it's cool that you have like a full year too. Mm-hmm. Um, really, like, like whatever your results are for the next year, don't really matter because it's all about like kind of this one. This one tournament, and then that the next, definitely matters
0: next us I mean, let's just say the obvious. The bummer about this year was I didn't qualify every.
1: So the well, rating is, is
0: very tough. The only yeah. dream is I get back to where I was, and then I just qualify automatically.
1: Bounce. But the <laughs> the low true. the low rating, it's almost like uh it's like Melik was complaining about this as well. It's like you know he's been playing a lot of these open events, and yeah. I see him, and uh, he's like playing kids yeah. and they're they're very underrated yeah and so it's like the fact that he's playing it's like his his rating also like i'm sure decreased in the mm-hmm. last couple of years um even though he maybe is in some of the best form <laughs> of his life which is just kind of interesting
2: yeah i think it's true like you know with all the rating deflation to a certain extent you could look at an active rating and say that's worth you know 100 points more than an old rating from five years ago That. That hasn't been <laughs> battered by the kids.
1: Yeah, no, just keeping the rating, I think. Yeah. Achievement these days.
2: Yeah. But so, anyway, I think that would be like one of the best projects for Jesse to work on is sort of being more trigger happy, right? A little bit more willing to pull that trigger and mm-hmm. roll some dice That's and happy. go for it. Um, and so, you know, if you can think somehow within your, within your training or your opening choices, your, or your sparring to just like push yourself in that, that direction a little bit more, um, I think that that would be sort of the per every, every training program we have. Okay. It may generally be good for people at that rating level, but there's always some ability to personalize it, right? Like it would go well with having a private coach. You have private lessons, right? So there's always some room to personalize what are you really trying to do with every game you spar or every, you know, analysis that you do of a game of yours, every post mortem, right? So we have a list of tasks, but you have some some choice in how you make use of the time within each of those tasks and what you try and get out of each task. And so... I think that's kind of the, the personalization piece for you that's most important.
1: Can you play any training games against like KGB or someone like that? I play training games with you people in the, the sparring.
0: You know, one thing that was really interesting, I um, want to bring this up with the training program. So I watched this, there's an amazing uh, documentary about Schwarzenegger that just came out. And, you know, the dude, right, obviously there was a bodybuilding face. He crushed that. Then there was the... Movie phase, obviously crushed. Then there was the politician phase, dude crushed it. And one of the things he was talking about is like at all those phases, he had a cohort of people and he had like mentors and he had people who he was helping. So that's like our plus minus equal. And I think, you know, really critical is when we, um, me, but also us, do this project over the next year. Like, it has to be more systematic with the sparring. And it's hard to because, you know, you guys have different schedules and I have a schedule, yada, yada. So, like, getting the sparring done is it's a thing that's hard to arrange. It would be better, of course, if we had more people. I'm trying to get Dean and Bolito into our program. You know, we need more people, too. You know, it's just the same thing. The lower cohort sometimes complain that there are not enough people in the cohort.
2: Well, yeah. we do. we need We've got way less. Anyway,
0: there it has to be has to be that rich competitive feeling mm. right of like okay we're gonna bang it out here and
1: it's gonna be difficult you know, we're gonna like compete against each other yeah um, yeah i'm on board i'm gonna go all in on the chess training okay. too. in fact i thought mm-hmm. it'd be fun if we did like um we did like a rating bet or something you know okay like yeah. the end of the end of one year something like that
2: a rating what uh,
1: a rating bet, like just to see who has was who the higher rating and okay well, let's, let's do the bet. Dog. yeah because we're, uh, we're pretty similar i feel like I'm, of like we, your fide
2: ratings we have, to,
1: we have to come up with
0: like what the prize or the punishment might be but right. but otherwise i'm into the bet that's cool. yeah yeah that would be that would be really fun nice well let's establish it dude yeah we can decide on the punishment later or maybe some you have an idea yeah let's think about it i have no idea i just thought <laughs> but how about how about the august the rating Our respective ratings at August 1st,
1: 2024. August, yeah. Or do you want to do like uh, average rating or just August 1st? August 1st, boss.
2: Then once you get ahead, you know, you could just stop playing in tournaments. Like they uh, do in FIDE for the candidates.
0: Now, first of all, Kosti can't stop because that dude's got to try oh, yeah, to get okay. the GM titles. Right. So He's got, got to go to tournaments. And by that will be August 1st will also be probably, I don't know when the U.S. senior is going to be next year, but it'll be before then. Exactly same time, like July. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be right around that time, so that will also reflect my performance there. So it's
2: not like I can stop.
1: All right. Yeah, that's yeah. a go. go All right, August 1st. Yeah. Okay.
2: Another thing um, we could do. If, uh, another thing we can. Well. <laughs> <laughs> another, sorry. sorry but yeah another thing we can do that i think would really like speak well to jesse like his juices get flowing for more competitive stuff right everybody's different that really motivates him to put in the work but another thing we can do is no, kind of like what's
0: that i said people the same. any competitive you need some competition boss
2: you know uh, yeah i mean yeah, everybody's a little bit different i'm happy to just spar a position eight times but you always want it to be like a match right so th- we have some differences but um uh but i think you know we could do a thing where we track our results we could make like a little league of like sparring you know and uh have it like a huge cross table or or tally of some way to you know see who is coming out on top in the
0: just be cool we algorithms and stuff on the on the on the page somewhere on the uh, the, the, the like a Kosia versus cry Fide a ooh a live, and then there would be like an endpoint of August first, and it would just yeah. show. It would just show it.
1: Dog. Oh, maybe like a sports book, like a market. Yeah, the market. <laughs> you'd be betting on that stuff, man. Get it yeah.
0: going. Yeah. yeah. A, uh, if I win, I get to pee on Costa's leg.
2: Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> I'm like wondering if you can post that on YouTube. That's exactly the kind of thing people click on. Like. <laughs> whew, I know a lot of people would do that just for views. Anyway. um, I think one other point jesse i don't see it in your non-dojo activities in your pie chart so i don't know if you're doing it or not but playing blitz chess Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i think that's bad for you because yeah yeah, because i think that would like lead to sort of you know general superficial moves and not you know really looking for the specific win but have you just stopped playing blitz
0: for the most part yeah
2: nice all right i would stick Um, with that I don't,
0: th- you know, I'm not going to be. If I play some blitz, it's not going to be a big thing. I played like if someone wants to play like sometimes Ch- chess. It has me play an
1: exhibition match or something. That's not going
0: to hurt me.
2: Yeah. Oh.
1: Well, that's cool. You got the twenty-seven hundred goal, and then you basically just just quit after that. Which I think it's it's nice. It's fun.
2: Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. Well, let's we'll set up the bet because that sounds super fun. I like the sparring leaderboard as well. Um, yeah, keep track. That, that also sounds cool. Yeah, I think just more more competition. Yeah, uh, it's good.
2: Is the is the other thing Kosi, Is it public knowledge? The thing that we've been discussing on Discord.
1: Um the the sparring bot, the new
2: with the the associated leaderboards
1: yeah well that's that's coming um yeah that's definitely public we've been we've been talking okay. about that kind of planning it out but yeah that's that's super exciting I'll just plug that right now <laughs> yeah um, but that's going to be something we're adding um not just to the discords but actually to to the site as well so mm-hmm. anyone that joins our Lee chess team the tournaments are going to be on Lee chess anyone that joins the official dojo Lee chess team We'll be able to sign up for different arenas and Swiss tournaments that we're going to run, like blitz events, rapid, uh, we're do classical as well. Um, so anyone that plays those events will then get tracked, and we're going to have our own like dojo leaderboard. So we're going to start running a bunch of tournaments, and we're going to have this like very public leaderboard, kind of like a Grand Prix system. Like you score points in the arenas, you score points in the Swiss, and then you get ranked against everyone else. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm super pumped for that because I think it's. I mean, people love leaderboards. It's just very clear. It's just basic animal psychology.
2: Yeah. So I think that's going to be a really nice motivation for lots of people to spar. And we can do a similar, like, tiny private one where we keep track of, like, our results in the small group of, you know, high-rated players who don't have as many people to spar with. And uh, hopefully it can motivate Jesse to get more sparring done, too.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, I would be motivated by that. For sure, I think I think that would be super fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's gonna do it. That's the plan. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.